Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk. Yes, you can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning, Karen Dwyer is a previous guest on the show when she told us about her diagnosis and management of MS. Today, she's back to discuss her recent TED talk on how we need to move away from a one size fits all approach to our health. And an online petition calling for Ortiz Operation Transformation to be decommissioned has garnered over 9,000 signatures. I'll be joined by one of the people behind the petition, Joe Muscala, who's a dietitian, and Donal O'Shea, HSE lead for obesity, who is in favour of the programme. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I'm not going to lie, I felt a little overwhelmed this week. I managed to get through everything I needed, but it felt a little bit more challenging. You can have those weeks from time to time. And something I'm really trying to work on is managing my energy a little bit better. So 2022 energy was amazing and I'm not trying to make out that I was overachieving. I'm just like everybody else, trying to do my best, winning on one hand and totally making the hames of everything on the other side. But I did notice that now the kids are back to school, there's a rush around in the morning, then I'm rushing to get all the work done before I go and pick them up and all of the activities are back. So it seems to be rush, rush, rush. I'm trying to see more friends and trying to tick all the boxes of what I want out of life. And sometimes that can really get exhausting. And last Friday, I came in here to work and... I won't bore you with the details, but there was stress here in work. And then I trudged around town going in and out of shops. And then I got home and I thought, what are you doing? So today, for example, instead of going to the gym and then coming into news talk and then running around town and then picking up the kids, I didn't go to the gym. I dropped the kids to school. I came home, I had a shower, I blow dried my hair, I put some makeup on and I came into town feeling far more relaxed So I think sometimes it's worth assessing where your energy is going and seeing where you can make cutbacks. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, my next guest, Karen Dwyer, came on the show a little over a year ago to talk about her diagnosis of MS, which led her to become a lifestyle coach, starting her business, MS to Success, working with people to help them address the life issues impacting their illness. And she recently took part in TEDx in Derry and her talk was entitled, What Has Your Shoe Size Got to Do With Chronic Illness? She joins me in studio now. Hello, Karen. Hello, Claire. Thanks for inviting me back in. How does it feel to have a TED talker on your CV now? Relieved that it's done, I might say. Um, but look, it's nice to do it. It was something that I wanted to do for a while, but I, I never thought I'd actually do it. So um, it's nice that it's done. Like they're quite hallowed halls, aren't they? The TED Talk, they've launched people like Brene Brown. I mean, anybody who wants to hear something on a topic, if you Google it and there's a TED Talk, you know there's going to be a good story. You're going to get information. So how did it all come about? I was invited to do it, actually. Um, so I had it on a vision board for a few years. Um, you manifested it. I manifested it. But um, a fellow coach of mine, I was doing a mastermind in in L.A. God, that sounds so... Anyway, um, and somebody said, "You, I need to introduce you to somebody. You need to give a TEDx talk. What's a, a mastermind in L.A.? So it's this um, business scaling mastermind where people that all have an interest in doing business for good, who want to make a difference in the world and who want to scale it on a global level, um, took part in this mastermind. And so it's people that are going out and maybe working with, 
different United Nations goals that they're working towards. So it, it really is people that really want to make a difference, make a dent in, in the world and do something for good. And as a business as well. And is that on, online? That was like an online all course? Online. Yeah, all online. So we'd meet every week and we'd have tasks to go and do and all the rest. And it was brilliant. And, you know, you get to meet like-minded individuals as well. And also, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a business person, it can feel quite lonely doing it. So it was nice to be amongst uh, amongst these people. Yes, it was great. So somebody in that said, oh, my God, your story. You've got to go do a TED talk. Let me introduce you to someone. And then I get this phone call going, OK, w- we need to share your story. And it went from there. So people can listen back to our interview um, in one of the podcasts where you spoke about getting the MS diagnosis and the changes you made to your life. But talk to us about your topic then for the the TED Talk. How how did you decide what it was you were going to say? Not easily, I said. So I wanted to make a difference in what I was giving out. There's plenty of people out there that have done now what I have done in, in you know, relieving themselves of symptoms, which is brilliant because there's more and more people now going and, and proving that it can be done and at least, you know, lessen the symptoms and the severity of the disease. But I didn't want to tell my story. I wanted to give the information that I could hopefully inspire someone to realise their own influence on their health and also point to where I believe and in my experience I see that there's a gap in the care that someone receives when they are diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. So I suppose in my experience and and in particular with the TED Talk, it was important to me to, I suppose, match up and and also not criminalise the medical profession because I had a great experience with them, but to point to, you know, when somebody is diagnosed, they're left at home by themselves. And that can be really, really scary. And so when there is a gap between the psychosocial supports and there isn't the scaffold there that somebody's at home scared, dealing with stress, they have their medication and their medical team, which they might see once or twice a year. But then what does somebody do to deal with their thoughts, their career, their family, their nutrition, their physical health? So I I wanted to open up the conversation, so to speak. Do I think I could have done a better job? Absolutely. I could have done more. When I look back now, I'm kind of raging that I didn't say X, Y or Z. Um, But it's a start and it has opened up a lot of conversations with a lot of the medical industry that I've gotten phone calls from afterwards, which has been great. Because you've touched on it a little bit there in what you said, but explain the concept of our shoe size and uh, chronic illness diagnosis. Yeah, so... When somebody uh, presents at their doctor's or in hospital, which is usually the way they're diagnosed, um, they present with their physical manifestation of illness. And for example, mine was numbness of my the entire right hand side of my body. I had optic, optic neuritis. I felt really low um, and I felt quite stressed. And so it wasn't until an MRI and then you get the diagnosis. But, you know, on working with clients from all around the world, what I found is that the the correlation is that everybody gets their medication and their MRI and off they go. And that's brilliant. I mean, we're so lucky to have access to that and a medical team and, you know, high tech uh, medical tests. However, everybody that's given the same treatment doesn't have the same lifestyle, doesn't have the same problems, doesn't have the same stressors. So how can we treat 
every single person around the world and, and I'll give you the, the figures for MS there's 2.5 million people in the world with MS how can we treat every single person with the same treatment in all different walks and aspects of life it doesn't make sense to me and it's not to say that it's wrong but that's just the way that things are at the moment and I believe that if we have a real chance at halting the progression of disease rather than you know trying to cure it necessarily we have a lot of people living with it right now how can we help and support those people and also how can we support the doctors the neurologists that they don't have the time to sit with everyone and find out all about their life their relationships their stresses maybe even like their financial situation they don't have the time to do that they're overworked and 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 really the patient then is going home with not much information on what to do on a daily scale to help themselves. And most people that do, you know, go home after an illness treatment or an illness diagnosis like that, there's a huge amount of stress. And, you know, the two different types of stress, there's eustress and de-stress. And eustress, you know, if you think back to exams, it can propel us to take an action quickly and, you know, give us some motivation. But when there's distress and, you know, over a long period of time, that's going to aggravate MS even more, which can exasperate their symptoms. So I believe there's a major gap that needs to be addressed in helping somebody realise their influence on their own health with some very basic things. Because the diagnosis is a trauma, isn't it? It's a blow to the body. I'm sure you can remember with clarity receiving that diagnosis and, and walking to your car and trying to come to terms with it. So Yes, you get the diagnosis. Yes, you get the team. Yes, as you say, it's incredible. Did you get the meditate or the medication to deal with the symptoms? But with autoimmune disease, there's so much we do know, which is fantastic. But there's so much we don't know. But we know that stress impacts. So you do need help on knowing how to deal with that stress, don't you? You do need to kind of take a look. And as you say, every single person is different. What have you learned with some of the people you've been coaching? Sure. Well, what I've seen is, is that it's brilliant to get your physical symptoms treated and that works brilliantly. And and everybody has different um, medications uh, and supplements and everything else that they use. However, I think what is uh, missing is the psychosocial side. So treating the whole human being like they're Uh, psychological side and their physiological response to stress. So the first place that I start and and where I see with people um, is the psychological side. So most of the time when people come to me, they want to know the diet and the exercise. You know, tell me what to eat and tell me, you know, what to do and I'll do it. However, it's an inside job and that's the bad news because I would have much preferred, you know, to paint by numbers. Tell me to do this and I'll just do it and, and get it done. But it takes a lot of courage to actually take a look at yourself and take a look at what potentially may have exasperated the symptoms to a point where you were diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Because, you know, the word chronic gives us a clue. It didn't just happen overnight. It's chronic and it's over a long period of time. So what I do with clients is we unpack, you know, what are you doing that's working? You know, and we uncover some blind spots that you might not be even aware of, that there could be some really simple little things that you can do daily that will have a really big effect. And, you know, I love the phrase that, you know, small hinges open massive doors. So it is those little things. So it's not just the one big fix and, you know, click your fingers and it's all done or just meditate or just journal or just eat, you know, really good food. I believe it's a whole combination of five different pillars. So community, uh, nurture, sleep, 
nutrition and mindset. And I believe all of those things together broken down can have a really, really big difference. And it's not just you know, over a weekend or in a couple of coaching sessions. It has to be over a prolonged period of time so that somebody has the time to see where it doesn't work for them, to have the the breakdowns against what they're up for in life and get supported around that. To know that, you know, I know some people will follow a vegan diet and they find it really hard to then get the rest of their family on board and then they end up giving up and feeling worse about themselves than when they started rather than maybe something that we do. You know, we have an app and we track things like sleep, like nutrition, movement, mood, um, food and, and everything in between. And so we get to see with patterns of people where there's maybe times of stress or for women, maybe their menstrual cycle might affect it as well. Um, or their sleep and we get to see the patterns of okay you felt stress on this day and then two days later we noticed that there's a symptom showing up in your body and then we get to see a pattern of that over time and people are blown away by this because you know we go through life and we just deal with it and some people can be dealing with low level ongoing pain maybe from gluten that they never realised until they omit it and they have a journaling you know period over a particular amount of time and they look back and go oh my god I can't believe I didn't notice that. They make some changes and they reflect back maybe over 90 days and see what a difference it's made to everything in life. So those small incremental changes lead to a great big transformation in a supported community. So they're not doing it by themselves. And I think that's key. And everybody's different. And that's your message, because I even found at one point I was throwing in gluten free things into my um, trolley, thinking that this was all part of wellness. And it was just so confused and so misinformed and so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But you're right, we need to take the time to tune in. And it's interesting, I have you on the show on the same day we've been talking about Operation Transformation. And yes, we're saying they're taking a more holistic view of health and they've brought in all those other elements. But true transformation happens over time, doesn't it? It takes a lot of time. We are looking for a quick fix in so many different areas of life. And as you said, we, we're looking for paint by numbers. Tell me to do this and everything's going to be OK. But actually, it really takes time. I'm sure you are still going through your transformation from your MS diagnosis, even though so much change has happened and so much positive stuff has happened to your health. You're still learning and transforming now. Absolutely. And I think, look, I think the day that we don't have learning in our sites is the day that we're dead. We're, you know, we will constantly evolve. You know, I have people like CEOs in companies in the UK and when it comes up to times of board meetings or reports like that, you know, stress comes on, triggers come on and that's when then we then go back to tools and strategies that they can ground themselves and, and really feel their own self-confidence from the inside out. And I might have a mum in the countryside in Cork, you know, who works in farming and also has, you know, an executive job and they have different stresses. But when they come back to looking back and reflecting what has worked for them at other times, they realise that they have that irrefutable evidence that they can calm themselves down, that they have done it before and they can deal with whatever comes, you know, in life. And I suppose it is building that inherent trust in yourself, knowing that you can deal with anything. And that is monumental. You know, it really is so that it's not just MS that is the stress that you can deal with, but it actually, it then embodies all of the rest of your life. So you, you do really feel that empowerment. Yeah, knowledge is power and you tune in and you get to know yourself, which is what I always say is my biggest health and wellness tip. And one of the things that often gets levied at the message you're trying to put out there is that it's anti 
the medical industry that, you know, you just want to take people off into the woods and, you know, have them be hugging trees and giving up their medication. And that's not the message. It's that we need all of this, that we want to work together, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's funny, I get people coming to me and saying, do I have to come off medication to do work with you? And it's like, absolutely not. Please don't do that. And, you know, I'll say I'm not medically qualified. However, I do have doctors, nutritional therapists. I have experts of panels on my faculty so they can speak directly to that. But it's important to have a whole scaffold of supports around you and people that are expert in what they're doing and experience in what they're doing. So, you know, it isn't the one size fits all. And that's speaking to the, you know, what's your shoe size got to do with chronic illness? It doesn't, you know, every treatment is not for everyone. And it is about you working with your medical team and supporting what it is that you want to do for yourself and aligning support around you so that you can fulfill on that. Because you can all walk in with a size five or size six to a shoe shop, but we're going to walk out with a different pair of shoes because everybody's different and our needs are different. So ultimately, how would it work, do you think, if you had the magic wand to fix it all? Would you get that diagnosis and then be hooked up with a coach like yourself? We do my programme, of course. (laughs) No, do you know what? And it's something that I'm working on at the moment for a global training for the, for the medical industry and neurologists that when somebody is diagnosed with a chronic illness that they have a resource there to figure out what does and doesn't work for them and to get a, a baseline of, of where they're at and actually I have a free resource on my website the Success with MS Quiz and, and actually people even without MS can do it where they'll answer a series of questions and based on their uh, responses they'll get a personalised report for those five pillars of health that I mentioned earlier on. So whether they're a low, medium or a high score, here's something that you can do that may help so that people can go off and do something for themselves that they don't have to necessarily go and do a programme and maybe figure out, do they need extra support? It is my belief and it's my experience that, you know, dealing with it by yourself is much harder and it's the much longer way around. I mean, and I really did do it the long way around and I suppose that's why I started this business accidentally. Sure, I I had a great career and I had to give it up because of my declining health. So, you know, I I was doing Zoom uh, trainings online before Zoom was a thing because I wanted to share my journey in the hope that it would help somebody else. And it has now grown into, you know... um, scientifically backed program by doctors we have our own website our own app and we've got experts from all over the world that weigh in because they believe in this work and even doctors that I've spoken to themselves have said we need to do this but we we don't have the uh, capacity we don't have the capacity to deal with somebody and sit with somebody you know it's not a session that you go to a doctor for it's probably a 15 minute appointment so you know if somebody goes in and says you know I'm stressed and I'm upset and i you know, I, I feel like I can't even see my friends. No one understands me. You know, what's a doctor going to do with that? How can they? They're going to treat the physical manifestation and maybe suggest some counselling, which is all great. But I believe, you know, a programme like this that addresses all the pillars of health and um, that I see making a difference with my clients, that's actually going to move the needle towards what you want personally for your goals. Yeah, and I do think it's where we need to start moving with our health because there's so much blame associated and stigma with getting a diagnosis and it was your lifestyle choice and why did you let this happen? Whereas this is empowering you on the changes that you can make along with your medication to make your quality of life a lot better. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Um, I love to talk about shoes and and health. So it was both of those things in one. For more, you can go to karendwire.com. Thank you so much again.
Thanks for having me, Claire. Appreciate it. Coming up after the break, with an online petition calling for an end to Operation Transformation, I speak to two guests who are for and against the TV show. Alive and kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk. Now, a petition calling for the decommissioning of RT's Operation Transformation has amassed 9,600 signatures. And while that number doesn't come near to the numbers of viewers who tune in for the eight weeks every year, there is still a significant number there. And a backlash is growing online of people keen to change the conversation when it comes to what true health is and move away from restrictive diets and the focus on weight. I'm very keen to have this discussion on the show, but I wanted to ensure it was balanced. So I have invited two guests to join me today, HS lead on obesity, Donald O'Shea, and one of the people behind the petition, dietitian and intuitive eating counsellor, Joe Mascalu. You're both very welcome. Good morning, Joe and Donal. Good morning. Good morning. So can I come to you first, Joe? Why did you start the petition? Yeah, and thank you, Claire, for for having me on. And what a pleasure it is to have this discussion with no other than than Prof O'Shea this morning. So thank you. So we started the petition because we are extremely concerned about the negative attitudes or the bias towards people in bigger bodies across the nation when weight loss shows just like Operation Transformation airs. Negative attitudes that people in bigger bodies are lazy, are greedy, are gluttonous. And while your listeners might be thinking, oh, well, gosh, I don't have those negative attitudes towards people in bigger bodies. I don't think they're lazy or greedy or gluttonous. These attitudes develop without us even recognizing it. And it is, I think your listeners will agree that there is a stigma associated with living in a bigger body in Irish society today. We have made great advancements with other stigmas in, in society, such as in the realms of HIV, of racism and homophobia. But this stigma of living in a bigger body still is very prevalent in Irish society today. What of the changes that have come about since the show first aired in 2008, where there isn't only a focus on weight, they're looking at other key indicators of health like activity levels, um, what's going on personally for, for any one person with the psychologist, sleep. Does that make any difference to you that there is a more holistic view, view of health in the show? Sure. And especially this year, we've noticed a big change in in adding in those more health promoting behaviours as a focus. But I think that you and anybody who watches the show will still agree that it is still very much a weight loss show. Weight is still at the very centre of it. Weight is always one of the markers that's recorded and participants are giving given weight loss goals every week. So I respect that they have taken some positive changes in the show, but it is st- still very much a weight loss TV show. And I don't think that will ever change. It will ever be anything but a weight loss TV show. Can I bring you in then, Donal? As I mentioned, you're the HSE lead on obesity. I know you've worked on on Operation Transformation. What are your thoughts on the criticism the show has faced? Uh, I think the criticism of weight loss shows in general is uh, is necessary. And if you take the majority of weight loss shows, you know, my biggest loser, my 500 pound life, are sensationalist, total focus on gluttony and promote uh, the stigma that is associated uh, with having the disease of obesity. Um, And 
I probably would have been signing this petition about five or six years ago before uh, it changed to be a fully multidisciplinary team. So you have a GP, you have a dietitian, you have a psychologist, and you have a physical activity specialist working with individuals who are a spectrum of weight from overweight into obesity, uh, working with them over a period of eight weeks uh, and, and for behavior change to be established, the kind of six, seven, eight week uh, period is really important. So, uh, and, and, you know, it was a fat shaming show uh, 15 years ago uh, when it started. They were dressed in Lycra. The doctor on the show, Ava, who was great, Ava Orkman, who was fantastic for ratings, uh, was shouting, finger wagging, uh, demeaning to uh, the leaders. Uh, if you look at the show this year, uh, I think you see the journey that I think probably society has come on to some degree. Um, and it is a TV show. And it's a TV show, and that, that's the conflict I've had. I mean, I have colleagues who will not speak to me because of my association with Operation Transformation. Um, and I think it's, it, it's uh, it, that's the kind of show it is. It's, it's, uh, it is 33% of the audience share at half nine on a Wednesday night in January and February. Uh, so it has to maintain its appeal. Um, and and uh, that's where a uh, TV show meets our maturing thoughts on obesity uh, as a disease uh, and puts it front and centre for discussion. So we're having a discussion like this. Because people might not realise that yourself and, and Joe are, are quite on the same page. I was reading comments you made, Donal, at a conference last October that many people think obesity is a lifestyle choice due to lack of self-discipline and lack of motivation, but that's not the case. It's a chronic disease for which there are lots of different causes. And the whole concept of eat less, move more is outdated, negligent and offensive. So you're saying the same thing, really, that Joe is there. So why don't we just take the way in out of Operation Transformation altogether and just have these people go on a on a health journey that, yes, is going to include nutritional information, a psychologist and looking at all different areas of their lives, but that we don't really know what they weigh at the end of it, even if they have lost. You know, I, I think weight management clinics around the world dealing with severe and complex obesity uh, are increasingly not weighing their patients um, and are purely looking at that functional improvement in ability to perform activities of daily living in uh, self-esteem, self-worth. Uh, and, and I think that's a positive thing. And I have said to the producers of Operation Transformation that utopia would be Operation Transformation without the weight. But the bottom line is people on a weight loss journey uh, who want to feel better about themselves, feel better in their clothes, they need to monitor their progress. And as a nation, we need to know what we weigh because uh, one of the biggest determinants
determinant of having a healthy weight and maintaining it is active self-monitoring. Because in the environment we live in now, uh, the trend for your weight, if you don't keep an eye eye on it, uh, is up. So we know that 12% of our 20-year-olds have obesity. But when you go to uh, reach the age of 50, uh, you're talking 36%. So, you know, and if you can step on the scales and just keep an eye on things, and I'm talking about once a month stepping on the scales, uh, you can have your ceiling weight. Uh, For me, 90 kilos. I want to stay below that all the time. During COVID, I went three or four kilos above it. It's taken me about eight months to get below it. Uh, If I wasn't stepping on the scales, I could easily now be hitting the 100 and what do you say to that then, Joe? Because as you've heard, Donald doesn't want to demonise anyone or even demonise his own behaviour. Weight goes up, weight goes down, and it is something that we should monitor. Where do you stand on on the scales, if you'll excuse the pun? Prof Shape presents a very well-balanced argument there towards weighing yourself. And he's talking about a, a more healthier approach with weighing yourself, checking it every month and... Um, you know, not not acting on it, not necessarily changing your diet in response to a small weight increase or decrease. But let's bring the conversation back to Operation Transformation here. This is a show that promotes weighing yourself weekly and praising weight loss that happens even in the very short term. You'll have seen even in this season when it's supposed to be more holistic and not not weight centered as before, you'll still see participants getting a big whoop from the from the um the clinical panel when they have achieved weight loss. And this is praising very short term weight loss and this is what people are sick of because when you lose weight as a person in a bigger body when you lose weight in the short term you get so much praise for that you get so much congratulations well done you look amazing but then when the opposite happens and you regain that weight or you gain weight you don't hear anything you hear absolute nothing you hear crickets and this is what people are really sick of is is this congratulatory effect that weight loss has and this is what we're seeing on the show today because i i, I suppose People may be surprised to hear the discussion around your weight being an indicator of your health. And I think the conversation has begun to change just because you are this hallowed size 10 does not mean that you have a healthy lifestyle or that you are healthy. It may be down to your genetics or indeed you may be eating and restricting and it may be a negative impact on your body. But because that's the ideal that we we celebrate, that's where people are are looking. And, and then you, you demonize what goes on on the scale. So people may introduce very healthy habits and make big changes that aren't necessarily going to be reflected on the scales. And then that all gets pushed aside if the, the weight doesn't go in the particular direction. Do you think we are starting to talk about that a little bit more with the criticism of what gets posted on Instagram and that you don't really know what the full story is behind that picture? Or are we still so embedded in diet culture that we still have a long way to go? I'm putting that to you again, dietitian Joe Muscalu. I, I do believe we still have a very long way to go. Um, I'm glad that you have brought this up, this issue that you know, weight loss is not the be all and end all. It never has been. And 
what you don't see when you see a picture on Instagram of somebody who's lost weight is you don't see how that they got there. There are a lot of disordered eating behaviors rife in, in, in Instagram culture right now, um, promoted, freely promoted online and um, are really very quite damaging. But again, bringing the conversation back to Operation Transformation, there are also some um, quite distorted eating behaviors that I, as a dietitian specialized in eating disorders, have to then work with my clients to overcome. Things like weighing out every single portion of food, being very um, particular of um, only having certain types of food, certain brands of food, making sure food is, um, is, is, is counted to the nth degree. These are behaviors that I try to steer my clients with eating disorders away from, yet this is openly promoted on Operation Transformation. And what's your reaction to that then, Professor Donal O'Shea? Because I do want to get into the eating disorders in, in a moment um, and and talk about the statement from BodyWise. But can we deal for a moment with the health issue around obesity? Because obviously your work as an endocrinologist and in your clinic and the patients you meet, they do arrive to you because weight has become an issue. There are health complications based because of it and they're coming to you looking for help. Do diets work? Because presumably those that you meet, they've tried every diet under the sun and in inverted commas, they failed. Yeah, I, I mean, the patients who come to our clinic have severe and complex obesity. Um, it's a result of genes plus environment. Um, you know, I, I, the analogy I'm using at the minute is around malignant melanoma, the skin cancer you get because you get too much sun for your genes. And lots of people get the same amount of sun and don't get melanoma, um, but it's genes and environment. And you don't tell somebody with malignant melanoma to put on sunscreen and wear a hat. At the moment, we're still telling people who have obesity to eat less and move more. So that is offensive. That's not the treatment for obesity. Uh, it, it has a you, you, if, you, if you do really well with lifestyle change, you can lose about 5% of your starting body weight. That's not enough for the people who are attending my clinic. So uh, I think that's a really uh, important point. Uh, and my stance on obesity is informed by the number of lives destroyed or dominated by severe and complex obesity. Uh, so for me, uh, uh, you know, back to Operation Transformation, a, a, a show that will put an emphasis on a holistic approach to addressing weight uh, is on balance a positive thing. Uh, the restrictive eating, uh, the healthy weight that some people have, uh, they're not healthy, uh, either physically or mentally, uh, because of their uh, disordered eating, uh, whether it's an overt eating disorder or not, uh, you know, we, you know, that that's an individual thing. So uh, there is a way in once a week in Operation Transformation. Uh, I can see why some people have a problem with that. For, for me, it's that on balance, uh, prominent messaging. And, and, you know, the audience that watch Operation Transformation are, uh, they're an adult audience. Uh, the, uh, 
um, Instagram, Snapchat, body image uh, promotion that, that's going on at the moment. Uh, for me, that's the major problem in driving um, you know, poor self-esteem, poor self-image and, and disordered eating and physical activity. Well, you're listening to Live and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna and we are discussing Operation Transformation and a petition that has amassed over 9,000 signatures for it to be decommissioned. And I'm joined by dietitian and one of the people behind the petition, Joe Mascalu, and also head of obesity, obesity lead for the HSE, Professor Jonah O'Shea. I'm going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be looking at some of the statements that have come from Orti itself and also from Bodywise who say the show is triggering and many of their service users have referenced the show saying it caused them distress and impacted negatively on their mental health. You're welcome back to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk and I'm joined on the line by dietitian Joe Moscalo who was behind the petition to decommission Operation Transformation and also obesity lead with the HSC Professor Donal O'Shea. I did mention I'm going to read a couple of statements. I have one from RT that I'm also going to read. Now, as I said, I'm going to read the statement from Bodywise. They are the Eating Disorder Association of Ireland. And their statement said that the show was triggering and many of their service users have referenced the show saying it causes them distress and impacts negatively on their mental health. Although the show has a positive objective intending to bring focus to health and well-being, the considerable emphasis on dieting, body weight and shape and the way these are measured, collectively counted and presented create a community-sanctioned dieting culture that research shows does little to achieve long-term weight loss or health promotion. Dietitian Joe Mascalo, can I bring you in on that? Because I know with the petition, you have had lots of comments from people. You have spoken to some of the contestants who were on the show who regained the weight. Can can you speak when you work so prevalently with people with disordered eating, the impact a show like this can have on them? Yeah, of course. So first thing I would like to draw your listeners' attention to is that eating disorders are not just a condition for white slim women eating disorders can affect anybody and by anybody I mean anybody of any kind of race age and bringing it back to this discussion anybody in any kind of body type any body shape or size so most of my clients that I work with with an eating disorder are in fact in a bigger body or how they would describe as in a fat body And their eating disorder is just as valid as somebody who is in a smaller body or somebody who is in the stereotypical view of an eating disorder body. So when I work with with clients, they feel intense stigma and shame, often from their family, their friends, but even in the wider community, such as from um, their employer or from healthcare providers, um, stigma and shame attached to to their their weight so when a show like operation transformation airs immediately when the family are sitting down to watch it on a wednesday evening and my, my client is the only one in the family in a bigger body immediately the family will kind of turn their heads and look and say okay maybe not maybe not obviously but the impression is that everybody who is in a bigger body should be on a weight loss journey everybody in a bigger body should be always trying to lose weight and it is dieting. It is that 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 um, journey to to weight loss, the dieting attempts. That is one of the most um, 
it's, it's one of the biggest causes of an eating disorder in the first place. It is dieting. It is trying to restrict your food intake that can actually lead to an eating disorder. So not only is, does dieting not work, which, you know, you, you made that comment in your opening and you're correct. Dieting does not work to produce long-term um, weight loss, but not only does it doesn't, it doesn't work, but then it all, it also facilitates that, that feelings of shame because people in bigger bodies feel that they should always be trying to do it. They should always be trying to lose weight. So if you could wave a magic wand, Joe, what would happen? You you asked for the show to be decommissioned. Would you be happy if the weigh-in was taken out of it? I watched Wednesday's episode online and I thought there were so many positives. Uh, the guy Stefano, he was talking with the psychologist about his social anxiety and, and dealing with that. Himself and his husband were starting to cook more meals from scratch and enjoy that process. They both gave up smoking, which was obviously having a positive impact on their lung capacity. And he was moving more and feeling a bit more body positive. And yes, he was weighed and yes, he had lost weight. So what would the perfect operation transformation look like, do you think? All of those health promoting behaviours are are wonderful. They're excellent. And they do draw you know, nationwide attention to issues such as um, smoking or, you know, the importance of stress management or relationships. So we are you know we are celebrating the show for raising awareness of those however it is still very much a weight loss show and i believe that unless it had a complete rebranding it will always be a weight loss show so i think that the show should be decommissioned and that funding should be either put towards development of eating disorders or you know maybe we can talk about a new show where weight was not a focus where weight was just not not even included in any any way shape or form so firstly i'd like it to be decommissioned or a complete rebranding where um weight was completely taken away what are your thoughts on that then donal o'shea because sometimes i i think we live in a real quick fix society and while they're not saying the eight weeks is the end of the road to make a real transformation can can take years and, and maybe that doesn't make a TV show. Are you happy with the format as is or do you think there's something that would would help the, the, the people that you're looking to help a little bit more, that it might serve them a little bit more than the message that comes out of Operation Transformation? Yeah, I think if you look at the show 15 years ago when Jerry Ryan was hosting it, um, and uh, you know, uh, I, I was involved with with uh, with him at that time. Uh, and you look at it now, uh, the show has come on a massive journey, and uh, it's it is an entertainment show, uh, and it has to look after that side of its remit. Um, I think. Um, I, I wouldn't want to see it decommissioned. I, I know from dealing with the producers that they listen to all these comments. They take it very personally how they front and present the show. Uh, and the side, you know, the other side of that is that it's an entertainment show. And that's the line they have to walk. Um, and then we have to make a decision whether we think. Uh, that the balance is good for public health, which in my view it is, uh, and does it act as a trigger to eating disorders? Does it perpetuate the stigma uh, associated with having an, uh, having obesity? Um, you know, 
on that one, I think there are much bigger drivers of eating disorders uh, than uh, operation transformation. Well, it's an interesting topic. I'd be very interested to hear what listeners have to say. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. I want to read the RTE statement uh, that they sent us. They said now in its 15th season, Operation Transformation has evolved considerably over the years and now encompasses a more holistic approach to adopting and maintaining healthy lifestyle as well as weight loss. Um, We can't read all of it, but they also go on to say in 2021, Healthy Ireland commissioned independent qualitative market research to evaluate the effectiveness of the programme. This confirmed, among other findings, that of those who watched the show, 74% said they had made one or more positive lifestyle changes as a result of watching the show, including 41% being more active, 33% eating healthier food and 23% looking after their mental well-being. We will leave it there for now, but it is a a major topic of mine that I do love to cover on the show that we move away from diet culture and into a more holistic discussion on health. So I thank both of you for joining in the discussion today. Dietitian Joe Mascalo and HSE lead on obesity, Professor Donald O'Shea. Thank you so much for coming on, both of you. Thank, thank you. you, Claire. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, John Fardy, to Garrett Mulhall and to Jojo Cordoza, who was on sound. And thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week.